We're in for a wild night. Welcome, 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 everybody, to episode 87 of Born to be Wild, a wild exclusive Hearthstone podcast where we have fun hanging out with friends, talking about the wild format of Hearthstone and spotlighting members of the wild community. I am your host, as always, Nate Wolf. It is great to be back on this beautiful, rainy Friday evening here in Portland, Oregon. Had a great time this past week with the new cards, trying out some new decks, and uh, it's been a lot of fun. I'm really excited for tonight's show. And, uh, of course, I'm joined by two of my favorite people. Hydralis, welcome back. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing awesome coming at you guys from the greater Vancouver area. I, too, have been excited to play with some new stuff. Unfortunately, when there's a new rewards track, it sort of like gets me going again on playing on the three accounts. <laughs> I, I, I have to do I it because you get to that. I, I did only... <laughs> Only because I got to level 100 and I felt confident that I was okay. And then I stopped. But now there's all these free things. So I got to do it. So that's that's what I've been doing. But I'm super excited for tonight's show. And yeah, it's, it's, it's just we got some some cool topics to talk about tonight. One specific topic that we'll get to in a little bit. But I'm doing great. Awesome, awesome. And of course, Electric Sheep City, welcome back. It's great to see you. How are you doing tonight? Meowdy friends, I am great. And greetings from hot and muggy southeast texas <laughs> i have had a really fun week in the the first week of the expansion nate knows this in particular because he and i made a bet before the expansion dropped whether or not i could hit legend the deck featuring murabi <laughs> so so the bet is if i hit it w with a deck featuring murabi then Nate has to craft Murabi in gold. And if I don't by the season ends, then I have to craft Murabi in gold. So so there are Ooh. stakes there. <laughs> and and to be it. clear to be clear, this can't just be like, like a, a aggressive <laughs> an aggressive Murloc shaman or something with Murabi thrown in. This has to be focused on Murabi, correct? Yeah, not necessarily focused, like nah, but some 100%. synergy, you know. But some, some synergies. Synergy. Yeah. Some synergies, yeah. Yeah, it, it can't just be like like you said, Murloc deck. Or, you know, even lock or even lock, even <laughs> shaman, you know, because Murabi is even, you know, anything like that. It, it has to actually make sense for Murabi to be in there. So I've, I've been playing some fun things. Ooh, yeah, Murabi so I, even. I got a text this morning at seven o'clock that said, I'm at Diamond 2. You better get your dust ready. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so. I actually made it all the way up to diamond one at one point before falling back down i think i'm like back to diamond three diamond four again but you know mm. that part of the ladder I, it go, goes up and down so of course I'll continue refining as the meta shakes out <laughs> you will be my hero if you do this <laughs> I, i'm i'm getting my dust ready i'll i'll reserve some for when this happens so <laughs> anyways hey oh um, Apologies. I was just going to say, let us not forget the, the fourth member of our cast tonight. I'm very excited to be joined by our good friend and resident lore master, Goliath the Dwarf. Welcome back to the show. Pleasure as always. I'm ready to lay down some lore with the latest sets. And I love coming on the show. I love talking about this stuff. I'm coming to you guys from the uh, northeastern region of Iowa, where... We're kind of between weather-wise what everybody else has. It's like wintry, but there's been no snow yet, which I personally like because it gets in the way of things. 
but it's not as pretty and it does look a little strange everyone's Christmas lights out when there's not the typical white background. So it's, I'm sure we, we, we might get our first snowball tonight if the weather report holds true, but we all know how reliable those can be. <laughs> yep, yep. Excellent. Well, thank you very much for joining us, Goliath. We're excited to learn some lore. But before we go into uh, that aspect, for those of you joining us for the first time, welcome aboard. I'm going to briefly explain how the show works. So we record this podcast live every Friday evening at twitch.television slash born to be wild hs and the video version of the podcast is then posted on youtube the very next day audio versions of course are distributed to all podcast apps typically the the very next day as well so however you're watching listening absorbing via osmosis this <laughs> podcast today thank you thank you thank you yes. very much yes you <laughs> <laughs> absolutely and just a real quick housekeeping before we get to the main topic of the show i did want to say a big thank you to shokunin and all of the patrons of our show your support means the world to us and if you enjoy this content please subscribe comment on the youtube video as it helps us a ton with the analytics and another easy way to support the show is to leave a review on itunes spotify google or your podcast platform of choice as that helps other people to find the show if you're watching this live on twitch we do have some great emotes that you can unlock by subscribing to the channel which you can do for free if you have amazon prime and uh, finally if you are interested in supporting the show you can join our patreon for some great bonus content for as little as a dollar a month we have been adding some free content in fact we added some over the past week and and uh, some more changes in store for the patreon uh, lastly if you're interested in interacting with us personally please join our discord it's a free and amazing online community of friends that we have made all across the world with people who love talking about wild hearthstone um, so yeah links to all of this stuff and more can be found at our website uh, which is www.borntobewildhs.com and uh, one final thing that i wanted to throw out there special for this week a quick plug for the website if you're looking for wild decks to play that feature cards from the new expansion uh, I think we saw a bunch of complaints day one, you know, all I'm seeing is uh, pirate warrior and quest hunter. Uh, so if you're looking for decks that are featuring cards from the new set, go to our website. There's a page for deck lists. We have double checked that all of these decks feature cards from the new set. Uh, they're, they're listed on the website. Uh, creditors are, or creators are credited. There's links to the original source. There's deck codes that you can copy and paste. And we've had a lot of fun kind of assembling that and trying new decks and stuff. So. Yeah. Anyways, that's the that's the housekeeping plug. Let me pass things over to Hydra to talk a little bit about the news for this week. So yeah, in the Hearthstone news this week, the new expansion has launched. Fractured Fractured and Alterac is out, and hopefully you guys are all enjoying the different cards, the different decks. Like Nate said, come check out the website and see what you can possibly be playing. A quick couple things that we wanted to talk about is if you know you've cracked a bunch you know how we got this duplicate protection and everything but even with that you end up with all these extra commons and rares and possibly you know even rarer cards <laughs> but you don't want to like it's really tempting just to hit that mass disenchant button you can see down in the bottom corner you can get all this extra dust you can craft maybe a legendary that you're missing or whatever we just want to urge you to maybe hold off, unless you, you you just want it, but hold off, just do it because, you know, a lot of these cards nowadays in Hearthstone get nerfed quite quickly after the expansion is launched. And I've got a bit of a feeling since there's holidays coming up, 
people at Blizzard are going to be taking some time off. They might want to release a couple nerfs, possibly even before the holidays, right? So if you can, hold off. Don't hit that disenchant button because you could have 11 copies of something and you could get full dust refunds for all of that card. So don't hit the button, just hold off. And the same sort of applies for if you want to craft cards, right? So the meta is still forming. Cards have not been out for very long, just a few days. So if if you can, hold off as well. There could be cards that are just hype right now, and it could be a waste of your dust. I'm telling so y'all, can, no, 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 no. That's, don't listen to Hydra. Craft a golden Murabi right now. I'm telling you. <laughs> <laughs> not dust bait whatsoever. Sorry, that's I'm not sorry. from this expansion. <laughs> oh, nice on the frozen throne. <laughs> I'm sorry. But it carry, finally has synergy. <laughs> yeah. It took, what, it, was that like 2016, 2017? How many years did it take? Five years for some synergy? <laughs> it's been a while. <laughs> that was the year of the Mammoth we've had. Let's see, Raven, Dragon, Phoenix, and Yeah, four years. Yeah, there we go. Finally some, some Tree Shaman. But yeah, just, just wait. Hold off a little bit. Uh, see how the meta shakes out. Unless you're a whale and you're just going to get everything anyway. But... <laughs> Other than that, I, I I would hold off. Another note, uh, we've been seeing some people complaining that they are packing the two free legendaries. You know, you get to pick the Horde or the Alliance. So Drek'thar and Vandar. <laughs> and you got to choose one. And I noticed even myself when I went to go, like, I, I, I didn't open Vandar. I picked Drek'thar. I didn't open it, but I noticed I could craft it. And I thought to myself, why would I craft this card? If, you know, we're going to get it for free anyway, it didn't make sense. And then Nate told me that he actually packed it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so it, it seemed a little strange. So some people have been voicing their concerns over this and we actually heard back about it. So I'm just going to read a little uh, quote from Blizzard. They stated that the team has decided to extend the start of rewards track refund logic to also apply Vandar and Drek'thar. Though these cards do not meet the circumstances we normally use to apply refund logic, we have heard your feedback that an exception in this instance will make for better play experience for many players. The decision to add this refund logic was finalized after this hotfix was put together. So the refund period has not yet been enabled. We will update our messaging once that refund period has started. After that refund period goes live, Players who already disenchanted Drek'thar or Vandar will automatically receive additional dust to make up for not receiving the full value. Nice. So they said they will post an update when there is more information. I think that's really cool. Yeah, I like it too. And I, the, the logic makes sense. I was reading Celestalon posted a, a whole thread of, of tweets earlier this evening that sheep shared i believe in the discord and i, th I think it was interesting uh, their rationale is like look if you got the card on day one like right now with korak the blood rager that card is eligible for full dust refund because that it's a, that's our diamond legendary for the set and you can unlock it like at level one and so it makes sense that hey if you pack the the normal version you can dust it for full value and their thought process well you can unlock these but you have to go through this whole legendary quest chain or, or of obtaining what is it 7200 honor 
points and they didn't expect people to be rushing through and being able to unlock them quite that quickly. And so that's how, like the logic doesn't apply, but it's really awesome that they're doing it anyways, because yeah, I mean, if you're going to get it gold, why would you want the non-gold? And if I'm going to get it gold within a couple of weeks or whatever, you know, a short period of time. So anyways, uh, big, big applause for the team there. I I'm very happy about it. Hooray! Yeah. I feel these days they really are listening to a lot of our feedback. And I think that's absolutely great. It was fast and, too, because they, they yeah. just uh, sent over the feedback like a couple of days ago. And I wasn't like, I had to change the the show graphics because I had it all prepped for the, we've sent along your feedback to change to, we've accepted your feedback and we've decided to do this. <laughs> I'm like, wow, that was fast. Okay. So yeah. Yeah. That's pretty much it that we have for news this evening because we do have a main topic that's why we have our wonderful goliath the dwarf here so i'm going to pass it off to nate to take us into the main topic of the show yeah i'm really i'm really excited to jump into this tonight so tonight's main topic is the lore of fractured in alterac part one so <laughs> alterac valley has a lot going on so we're going to break this up into two episodes in order to make sure that we give all parts of the story their due uh, so today we're going to be talking about the two warring factions in alterac valley the frost wolf orcs and the Stormpike dwarves and next time we'll talk about alterac valley itself and take a look at some of the the locations and the legendary minions in the set that being said there are two legendary minions in this set that don't really fit well lore wise with the rest of the other legendaries so those two we're going to cover independently those two are uh, the paladin legendary sidon the scarlet and the demon hunter legendary karia felsel so for those of you who are watching, we'll be we'll be talking about Sidon the Scarlet tonight after the main show here on Twitch um, and then covering the other one in the near future. So and then for those of you listening to the audio version of this podcast or watching this on YouTube, those characters will be broken into their own little mini episodes and posted to YouTube for you to check out separately. Uh, the easiest way to find that content is just to visit our website again, which is born to be and uh, we'll have links posted there. OK, that is enough for me. Let me pass the mic over to Goliath. I'm so excited to hear the story for tonight. Oh, absolutely. As I always love coming here. I always love telling the stories. And this is one that it's on one hand, it's very specific towards a certain couple factions right here. But we're also going to touch on filling in a couple of pieces with some of the larger story that it's connected to. Because while the faction themselves, we got two clans of a race. We got Stormpike clan of the dwarves and the Frostwolf clan of the orcs. They they are their stories are connected very much with that of the rest of their people. We have a lot more that we're gonna talk about with the orcs than the dwarves. Not that there's any bias here. Obviously, if there were, I would be in favor of the dwarves. There's there's no question about that, <laughs> but it's just a matter of the story material that we've been given to work with. So just a heads up about that. So we are going to start just by talking a little, a little bit about what Alterac Valley is, right, Nate? Yeah. So, it's just um, kind of setting the stage here. Yes, yes. So essentially, Alterac Valley is, well, a, a big snowy valley in the Alterac mountain range, and it is... One of the most famous original, what you call a battleground in the game world of Warcraft. Basically, this very large instance 
a player versus player zone where uh, you have a goal largely to get in and uh, conquer the opponent's fortress, but there's a whole lot of complex stuff in it. And we'll be getting a lot more into that in part two because there are many of the game mechanics and characters in it that they turned into Hearthstone mechanics and legendary characters. So that's not our focus today. But the important thing to understand is that this is something that was like really, really big throughout WoW's history, kind of like right from the front in the PvP area. And uh, so you got a lot of people who become very invested in supporting either the Stormpikes if you are Alliance or the Frost Wolves, if you are the Horde. And today we're going to be talking about how both of those people got there and uh, why they're even fighting in the first place. So uh, we are going to get started by talking about the Frost Wolves. And uh, so the Frost Wolves, like, like all orcs, are not native to the world of Azeroth. They originated on another world called Draenor. If you remember anything about way back when we covered the lore of Outland, back in the Ashes to Outland expansion, that's like a whole other world that had its own evolution and uh, it's almost its own different types of magic and the way that races developed and stuff. But uh, the orcs were basically this, uh, this race that evolved or kind of almost devolved from previous races like ogres into a very a very savage world that's very fight to survive uh type of lifestyle that they have to live in and they form all these different clans and uh, one of these clans is the frostwolf clan and that if frostwolf sounds familiar to you guys at all we have had a couple cards that right from the start of Hearthstone, that had Frostwolf in them. We have Frostwolf Grunt and Frostwolf Warlord. Now, all this time later, you're finally going to get to know what these guys are about. Why, why do they have the word Frostwolf in them? And, and does the, do the Frostwolves really like Silverhand Recruits? Because uh, Frostwolf Warlord certainly does. <laughs> uh, not... Not particularly. In fact, there's uh, there's no such thing as an orcish paladin in the lore so far. Mm. At least, who knows what they'll come up with. Hey, we got someday. a demon one. <laughs> <laughs> that that's that's a very specific story. That we're not going down that tangent. <laughs> a different story for a different day. <laughs> yes, but essentially, so the frost wolves are well. Well, really, they're the origin behind their name isn't a huge mind puzzle. They, they got their name because they were able to, as a clan, develop a close bond with frost wolves, like, like sn snowy wolves who live in a snowy area. Now, this isn't Alterac Valley. That's a different snowy area they're going to get to later on in the story. On their home world of Draenor, they lived in a place called Frostfire Ridge. So this is basically a mixture of just like huge snowy tundra landscape with tons of volcanoes in it as well. It's a rather inhospitable place, but they managed to uh, get along pretty well. Like I said, orcs are survivors by the very nature. It's the world that they that they came to be in in the first place. And so the, the frost wolves are one of the smaller orc clans, really. Only, like, less than 100 members overall, and that's small compared to some of the others. They're more minor. But they ended up playing 
pr pretty major roles in the, the history of the Orcish race because, well, frankly, they are the reason that Rexar is a character in Hearthstone. Yeah, so does anyone remember what uh, what Rexar is? He's not an orc. Well, he, he's a half-orc. The other half is Ogre. Is a, a, a half. A, so if you if the the card in Mercenaries, he's labeled as half orc. The official name for his race is called a Machnathal, and they were actually bred uh, as a slave race by the Ogre Empire, who were very cruel and domineering of the world and loved to enslave orcs. And so they had forced breeding programs. Like this, this is pretty nasty stuff here, where they forced offspring between orcs and ogres. And so that they could get uh, being with the brawn of the ogre, but the smarts of the York. And then eventually uh, they unleashed them on the clans who lived in Frostfire Ridge, including the Frost Wolves. And the uh, leaders of the Frost Wolves ended up fighting against them. But then once they realized that, oh, these guys don't actually want to help the ogres, the ogres are absolutely horrible to them, they freed them. And uh, Learox was the leader. So Beastmaster Learox from mm -hmm. Ashes the Atlant. And then they all allied together and overthrew the ogres. And uh, Rexar is Learox's son. So if it weren't for the Frostwolf clan, Rexar wouldn't be a thing, which I think that's a really cool connection there. And so the the leader of the Frost Wolves is an orc by the name of Duritan, and uh, his wife's name is Draka, and they are very key to the story here because Duritan was a really smart guy who was able to sense when, like, he, he could smell a rat a lot better than uh, most of the other orcish clans could, which is going to come in really handy when Gul'dan comes along. Before we get into that, does anyone have any clarifying questions? No. Nope. All right, no everyone way. on board so far? Gotcha. I'm yeah. excited to hear what's coming next. I, I, I guess okay. I will do a, a brief aside that if you uh, watch the Warcraft movie, you get a little piece of this, at least in terms of Duratan. Uh, it's kind of fun. Right. Yeah. Now, the movie does go differently. That They do a, a slightly different version of the story than the official game lore. So it's kind of alternate universe version. Like I said, I love the movie. The movie's what got me into all this in the first place. But yeah, so, so you can go watch the movie and get a sense of all this. You get a real sense of Duratan's character and stuff, but there will be major differences between that and what I'm going to be telling you here. So just a heads up if that's anyone wants to go see the movie. So Gul'dan was the first orcish warlock. He was an outcast who made a pact with the demons of the Burning Legion that they would give him lots of power and like no one would ever... Uh, you know, uh, toss him aside again or anything, in exchange that he would help them enslave the entire orcish race. He didn't think twice about it. He, he had no problems. And so, this is essentially, he carried out what I can only compare to the AA a series of political manipulations, in a sense, akin to that of Emperor Palpatine from Star Wars, when he managed to, like, manipulate Anakin into Darth Vader, into the Republican, into an empire. We're talking that level of subterfuge and manipulation in order to corrupt an entire race here. We 
<laughs> we don't have time to get into all of the steps that he uh, did in order to accomplish that. But one of the key things was that he manipulated the shaman of the Orcish clans, including a very respected one named Ner'zhul, who was like officially his teacher. He managed to worm his way into the apprenticeship there in order to gain a respected position and pretend that he was a shaman instead of a warlock. And basically what Gul'dan did was he got the elements to stop responding to the shaman. And that was a huge part of Orcish culture, and so it's a major disaster for them. And also, he managed to convince the orcs that, the, which were the other race, they uh, had uh, crash-landed in a spaceship years ago and were kind of peacefully cohabiting, but also just keeping to themselves. And that's a whole other story of characters like Prophet Velen and stuff. But uh, basically, things were going along pretty well, a relatively peaceful coexistence. But Gul'dan managed to manipulate everyone into thinking, okay, the reason that the shamans aren't hearing the elements is because of the Dread Eye. Like, they want to destroy us, and they did something that stopped all this. And so he managed to manipulate everyone uh, into thinking that they needed to unite all of the different Orcish clans into a single horde under the first war chief. Blackhand, who was the chieftain of a clan called the Black Rocks, and was just like a really nasty guy to put in charge, but he was a good puppet. Gul'dan would have taken care of himself, but he had like a negative charisma score, frankly, and so <laughs> he wouldn't be. Blackhand was very brutal, but he had a bit more charisma, and so they put him in charge. That's uh, Rend Blackhand? Nah, it's no, Ren, it's Ren's, Ren's dad. dad. Yeah, yeah. This is just. Oh, it's his dad. This guy has uh, no first name. He is only Blackhand. Red Blackhand. and Main Blackhand are his sons. Okay. Which gives you a sense of what kind of person he was that he named his kids Rend and Main. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> so so you, you said that Blackhand is from the Blackrock. I'm assuming that they came from a certain mountain. Close! Okay. Uh, Blackrock Mountain is actually a mountain in Azeroth that coincidentally has the same name. The Blackrock clan was uh, named for a, a rare ore that they mourned that they happened to call Blackrock. But coincidentally, aka some of this stuff was made up in the lore late way after they came over to Azeroth. Some of them ended up coincidentally settling in Black Rock Mountain, like Ren and Main Black Hands ended up doing that. And we're already getting on a tangent here, but so, like, they are not from Black Rock Mountain. They, some of them kind of ended up at Black Rock Mountain through a coincidence, aka just the way that ha what happens when you are improvising and adding on to elements of a story for 25 years. Right, uh, got it. Yes, exactly. But basically, uh, the important part for our story here is that, so, you like, Gul'dan managed to get, like, Ner'zhul to organize this really big meeting of all the clans here and explain the situation to them. And Duritan was the only one who really smelled that there was something fishy going on here and didn't jump on with it all. There were, he did have to make concessions because... He knew that there would be very strong consequences 
for being the lone voice of dissent. Because remember, they're a small clan. He, he may be the chief, but like in the grand scheme of things, that's not very much power. And uh, he doesn't want uh, his, all of his people punished for refusing to bend the knee. So he makes some concessions. He allows the his clan to join the lar this new horde that's forming and he even allows Gul'dan's warlocks to come and start infusing uh, some of his members with this new fell magic that they've discovered they no one really knows what it is and what it does is uh it kind of prematurely ages them up and empowers them a bit into stronger warriors so that they can all go and kill the Draenei because, yeah, they're, they're totally the ones who are responsible for all of this. Uh, like, I guarantee you guys, it's it's not uh, this new fell magic or the sinister uh, green-skinned warlock guy here. No, no, it's the Draenei who are the problems here, and we need to wipe them all out. Uh, Convenient scapegoat. <laughs> yes, exactly. It was all about the scapegoating. Gul'dan just goes and causes a ton of problems and blames it all on the Draenei to convince the orcs to go and kill them all. And the night before they launched their really big raid on the Draenei's capital of Shatrath City, Gul'dan holds a famous ritual that's very key to the story of World of Warcraft, where they decide that... This whole just infusing some fell magic into orc warriors isn't enough. We need to fully bind them to the Legion's will, turn them into blood-crazed berserkers who can't even disobey or whatnot. And so by doing that, he gets them to accept drinking demon blood, the blood of the Pit Lord Manoroth, who we don't have as a regular Hearthstone card yet, but do have as a mercenary now. So uh, at least we get to see him in the game in that way, which I'm really, I really like. And so by drinking this uh, demon blood, which I'm certain tastes really, really bad. <laughs> Looks so tasty. Looks like an ecto-cooler. <laughs> <laughs> it does. <laughs> ecto-cooler. But by doing it, like, it, it increases their strength and power. It's, it's like super magic steroids, but also, you know, it corrupts them. It turn, It's what turns their skin green. That's why orcs are green, because beforehand they had various different shades of brown and black and gray and all of that. That's another reason the Black Rocks had their name. They were the, the darker-skinned orcs of, of a, a black color that happened to match the rock that they dug up. But at any rate, Durit Duritan, this was the one point where he just outright refused. Uh, Nirzul had actually uh, learned what Gul'dan was up to and been uh, imprisoned and enslaved by him and was feeling really bad at having helped in the manipulation of all of the orcs. But he managed to smuggle out a message to Duritan because he knew Duritan was the only one who was uh, hesitant about all this stuff. And he said, do not listen to what Gul'dan says at the meeting tonight. If you do, then your entire clan is doomed forever. Uh, and so this is one he refuses the demon blood. He forbids any of the frost wolves from drinking it. And Gul'dan is absolutely livid at this point, but like he can't risk creating a divide here by killing Duritan because it's the night right before their big battle. He needs everybody focused and united and can't cause a scene. So he lets him live, but like, you know, there's, uh, he wants to find ways to get back at this guy at some point. And then the, uh, the war against the Draenei happens and really they, once they, drink the demon blood and are these crazed berserkers who have this constant thirst for violence they they, they can't really turn it off 
And so they just kind of go around destroying everything else on Draenor. Any race that gets in their way, the fell magic ends up turning the entire world into a wasteland. And they are uh, on really hard times right now. Uh, Durytan keeps trying to say, we need to stop with this fell magic stuff right here. Look at what it's doing. It's completely destroying our world, destroying our honorable culture. And uh, Black-Handed Gul'dan are just even more ticked off at him for doing that. And <laughs> the problem is that we haven't had enough fell magic. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know if they specifically said that, but I would not be at all surprised. We can go ahead and headcanon that, and there will be no contradictions as far as I'm aware. But it's at this point that we get the famed Dark Portal that Gul'dan built with the Medivh, the Guardian Medivh, who was possessed, of course, by the spirit of Sargeras and wanted to bring the orcs over to Azeroth in order to conquer it and weaken it for an invasion by the Burning Legion. And so all the orc clans, they just, you know, file in, join the army to go over and conquer the new world. But well, almost all of them, some of them are too crazy to and savage and they're left behind until everything is uh, taken care of. And the home world is the orcs. But Duritea, like, he doesn't want to do this, but he's like... Our world is dying. We have literally no choice. Sure, we're going to go ahead and join you. He also has just recently learned that Draka is pregnant. And so that gives uh, that big sense that, okay, I'm going to have a kid here. I don't want my kid growing up in this dying world. And so, yeah, once again, he doesn't want to capitulate to the demands of the Horde. But he doesn't really feel that he has much of a choice. And so the Frost Wolves join. However... Shortly after they cross over, uh, Gul'dan kind of pulls him aside and uh, says, Hey, so you are exiled now. I want nothing to do with you. You will never have uh, contact with another orc, another member of the Horde again. You are out of here or I will kill you all. Again, it's kind of most, he would have just killed him, but, you know, he didn't want to create a scene and... Uh, question cause questioning in his leadership and so like he's given the opportunity and again with the motivation that i've got a pregnant wife and a baby on the way duratan is okay we'll, we'll we'll opt for the exile here and that is why they end up settling in a place so far away from any of the other orcs in the horde which is going to bring us up to alterac here but again now let's take another pit stop any clarifying questions that uh, we need to mm. catch up at this point? Nope, everyone's good. A lot of questions, but I think we'd go down a giant rabbit hole, like maybe <laughs> yeah. for another day. Like I, you know, we talked about it before and I'd love to talk about it again, but just Medivh in general and, you know, the, the, the whole history there and his possession and the dark portal and all this stuff. But like, we're going to have to have a whole episode about Medivh at some point. He was a very be... key with the story and kind of complex, really. Yeah, that would be amazing. I would love that. Check out future lore episodes for more information. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so it's at this point that we're going to get to one of our key legendary cards of the set, Drek'thar, because uh, this is where he really has his shining moment. Uh, Drek'thar was like the, the head shaman for the Frostwolf clan, like, you know, very old, very respected, had a strong connection with the elements. But like many shaman, when the elements stopped working, he'd gone along with Gul'dan and accepted this new fell power because 
well, what, what, what choice do we have? This, this is the new uh, cool thing, and the old stuff isn't available anymore, so we're going to go with this. But, as it turned out, not only did Draenor have elemental spirits, but Azeroth had its own elemental spirits, but of course, mm -hmm. we already know how many times has Ragnaros been made into a card. Um, <laughs> not enough, that's the answer. <laughs> <laughs> Just, but, like, 20 more times, please. But uh, so it was at this point, like during the period of exile, that Drek'thar heard, like he could sense elemental spirits again that he couldn't for so long. And I want to emphasize here that Drek'thar is one of the oldest orcs in the story period because he's already old and all this stuff goes on. And so far he has survived up through the current story. Eventually gets to the point where he is such like the rare old elderly orc which most of them die in combat you know so this is really rare that they the whole the orcs basically invents wheelchairs just for him <laughs> he's by his apprentice shaman in a wheelchair that not at this point but later on in like past past all the altar stuff really but yeah this is <laughs> i I can't imagine what it would be like if we had wheelchair Drek'thar as a card or something. That'd yeah. be hilarious. I saw it when I was pulling up the artwork for this, and I was like, what? Because, like, the artwork here, you know, he, he looks all buff and huge and, and ferocious. And, and then, like, the there's some artwork of him, and he's like this old dude in a wheelchair and it's so funny well, in, in this he in, what we're seeing him right now with the card he's maybe more in i don't know let's say 60s or 70s the wheelchair he's like in his 90s or 100s or something i'd have to double check what his exact ages are at these points but th there's a lot of time that passes between this badass depiction that we have of him and i have to be pushed around in a wheelchair and everyone thinks i'm senile uh, I desperately want to look like Drek'thar whenever I'm in my 60s or 70s. <laughs> yeah. Life goals. Uh, was, Nate, in the picture with the wheelchair, was there um, a flame waker and a sorcerer's apprentice pushing the wheelchair? <laughs> I can Photoshop it. <laughs> that would be fun. Do it sometime if you have the free time. Oh, I want to see that. That's great. But yeah, so at any rate, it was at this point upon hearing and reconnecting with the elemental spirits of Azeroth that Drek'thar kind of had, uh, you might say like a big dramatic conversion, uh, epiphany moment, where he uh, forsook, he immediately gave up all the fell magic and returned to uh, the elements and the shamanism. And uh, he asked the elements, okay, we've all been exiled here. Can you show us a place to live? And he essentially became kind of like Orc Moses, where he gets a divine apparition that is leading him to lead his clan to a sort of promised lands of sorts, a place where they can go and live. And that place is Alterac Valley. It's a very snowy place. It's coincidentally, you know, quite uh, like the area that the Frost Wolves originally came from. So they feel pretty at home, even though, again, it's uh, not the easiest to survive here, but it's it's what they're accustomed to. And more importantly, it's a place where they can hide. Because not only do they have to make sure that they stay away from people like Gul'dan and other corrupt leadership members of the Horde here, 
but they have to stay away from every native of Azeroth as well because it's not like the humans are going to see them be like, oh, that's the clan that's not uh, participating quite so much in the war that's trying to completely destroy us, uh, so we'll leave them alone. No, they'd see there's orcs. People, humans barely know what orcs are at this point. They would attack them. But this, the elemental spirits managed to help them, guide them to avoid any encounters with the uh, humans. And so they managed to get to Alterac Valley very safe and sound and just kind of start settling in. And uh, it's, it's pretty abandoned at this point. Uh, dwarves aren't uh, part of the story yet. The orcs kind of get to this area first. And uh, it's at this point here, after settling in Alterac, that Duratan and Duraka finally have their baby. And it's a very sweet moment until they realize that, oh, the baby's skin is green and this fell curse has cursed us all for infinite generations. We have to figure out how to get the fell out of the orcs if we're going to want our son and all of our future descendants to be safe. So they, uh, Duratan and Draka, take little baby, who they name Goel, and they leave the Frost Wolves in Ulterac Valley under the care of Drek'thar to serve as their leader while they're gone and go to make contact secretly with an old friend named Ogram Doomhammer, who is the wielder of the Doomhammer, which is, you know, that, uh, that epic weapon that's been around in the game forever. And, oh, yeah. yep, so that's, uh, that's where that gets uh, its name, because it was wielded by a guy named Ogram Doomhammer. Uh, or you could argue that he got his name from wielding the weapon. It's not really quite sure whether the chicken or the egg came first here, honestly. I but will name my, my weapon Sheep City. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of weapon would that be? Shears. It's a bayonet hammer. <laughs> I love it. Someone get on fan art of that, please. So, at any rate, so for some reason... They didn't leave their baby back in the care of the rest of the clan. They decide, okay, let, let's take our little infant son on this secret journey that we're completely risking our lives here to attempt to uh, cure our, our entire race of evil men. They, they, they just bring him along, and that turns out to kind of be a mistake because while Ogram Doomhammer is very much on their side and wants to try to figure stuff out in order to purge the fell from the orcish race and get Gul'dan and Blackhand out of power because they are just the worst, then he entrusts their safety, Aduratan and Draka and Goel's safety, to some bodyguards of his to, you know, like, okay, they're going to escort you back to Alterac Valley and going to keep you safe. Turns out those bodyguards were actually secretly loyal to Gul'dan the whole time, and they absolutely murder Duratan and Draka. And, oh, don't bother finishing off the baby because they'd rather just leave him to freeze. Yeah, really, really bad people. And so they, they just go and it just so happens that after they're gone, a human hunting party led by a noble named Elidus Blackmore comes along and uh, finds this strange little orcish baby and decides to... Uh, Pick him up, take him in, not out of a charitable, charitable I'm running an orphanage for orcs here, but because uh, he decides to raise this orc as a gladiator in order to line his own pockets from betting on the gladiatorial matches. And he names him Thrall. And this is Thrall's origin story right here. 
Thrall is a member of the Frostwolf clan, but growing up, he doesn't know that. He doesn't know what an orc is. He's the only orc that he has really ever seen, aside from the occasional one when he sees them in internment camps. Because after all of the wars, the Burning Legion abandoned the orcs, and all of that crazed bloodlust that they had turned to lethargy, and they just didn't have the willpower to do anything, and so it was real easy to round up a bunch of them, just kind of put them in these internment camps. Like, so, like, the Alliance didn't know what to do. Like, should we execute them? Should we keep them alive? That's more humane. And so they're just kind of in these camps for now. And so Thrall grows up in one of these, and he has no knowledge of Orcish culture or his heritage or who he is. He just knows himself as the gladiator slave to Blackmore. But uh, eventually, kind of turns out that raising and training this incredibly powerful being, like, like you know, because orcs just, they're, they're by nature, far more muscle-bound than human, just have a natural, much higher strength stat racially. And it's like, he's trained that, but he's also educated, like with books and everything. But Blackmore also still treats him absolutely horribly. And like, that's not a good combination. Like, this guy's just an absolute idiot that you are raising the perfect weapon and doing like all that you can to make sure that he grows up to hate you. Like naturally, Thrall, Thrall escapes, he rebels, and like, mm -hmm. you know, he, he wants to get away from this guy. Okay, okay, perfect plan. Make the perfect weapon, turn it against me. <laughs> what could go wrong? Yes, exactly. This guy is a complete moron, honestly, and uh, a lot of other like nobles like in the human kingdoms know it. And like, he's just one of those people who like, has a position, and there's not much that you can do about it because he has money and power, but nobody likes him at all. So he's uh, earned his reputation. Yeah, pretty much. And so it's at this point, Thrall is, you know, he just escapes, and by coincidence, he happens to run into the uh, Warsong clan who managed to not get put in internment camps or just kind of roaming around. They happen to be run by Gromish House, who is, of course, you know, our original warrior legendary. And uh, Gromesh instructs Thrall in, like, the first lessons of wh what it means to be an orc. But then he tells him, hey, so there's these Frostwolf clan that's up in the Alterac Mountains here. You really want to learn who you are. Go and see them. And that's exactly what Thrall does. He goes up, he makes the journey, and that's where he discovers that, oh, turns out that uh, this clan is his birthright, honestly, that he is the son of the former chieftain. And he becomes a student of Drek'thar in learning the ways of shamanism. So the reason that Thrall is such a powerful shaman is because uh, Drek'thar was his teacher. And oh. if you played through the uh, through the Book of Heroes, uh, Thrall's story, I think it's the second challenge where it's like Drek'thar is teaching you lessons and mastering the elements and stuff. That's what that is uh, representing at this point in the story. Oh, that's really cool. <laughs> cool. Cause, yeah. Because it's in Alterac Valley. <laughs> that's great. Yeah, I need to go replay it now. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so essentially... This is uh, where Thrall stays for a while, and this is also where we get our Frostwolf Thrall skin and the Alterac Thrall skin that uh, we have up on the screen right here, which, of course, the Frostwolf Thrall was originally from 
the someone you could buy with the Book of Heroes. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that, that they've been making those available randomly to purchase for gold at some point, so I'm sure it'll come around again. And of course, Alterac Thrall was part of the very first uh, reward track that came with the Darkmoon Fair. And so, yeah, that's, uh, that's where those fit in with the story in Thrall's journey right there. But uh, eventually, he decides that he needs to go and free the orcs from being in a tournament camp. He's going to forge a new horde, but one that's free of all this fell magic that corrupted his race. And this is essentially all the events that Thrall and the orcs go through in the game of Warcraft 3. We're not going to go through all the details here because, (laughs) one, that would take too long. Two, it's really more of a Thrall story thing because the Frost Wolves just pretty much stay put, honestly. Even after Thrall manages to unite the Orcish clans, along with a few other races like the Trolls and the Tauron, and uh, forms the new horde, builds the city of Orgrimmar as the capital city and all of that, the Frost Wolves are just kind of like, you know, we've really developed an attachment to Alterac Valley here, so like we'll be your allies and stuff. Call on us if you need any help, but... Uh, we, we think we're just going to stay put right here in this snowy, inhospitable place that we just took a real liking to. And so, that... So what I'm hearing you say is that the Frost Wolves are standing ready. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> yeah, I suppose you could say that. But it's also just that they, they want to live there, which I I don't entirely understand because it's not like it's their ancestral home. They've been there for maybe two, three generations at the most, but they still feel like, yeah, this is where we're supposed to be. Probably that whole, the elemental spirits told us we're supposed to live here is a huge uh, motivation for them to just want to stay put there. But that is, uh, that's essentially what the Frost Wolves are doing there. And uh, anyone have anything before we move on to the dwarves? No, I don't think so. All right. So, switching gears a bit here, the dwarves have not as much of a large backstory as to why they're there, as I mentioned at the start, but we do have a bit of backstory just to explain some things. So, much like the Frost Wolves, we have seen the word Stormpike here from the very beginning of Hearthstone. And once again, in case you're wondering, what the heck is a Stormpike? Just know, I've got a huge gun! And it's like, <laughs> is that just like what dwarves do? Or what? Like, no, this is a very specific regiment of a specific clan of dwarves that are here in the snowy Alterac Mountains here. And so once again, just like Frostwolf Front, Frostwolf Warlord, you finally get to learn what the heck is a Stormpike. And so much like pretty much all dwarves, they have their headquarters, they live, they're one of the many clans who lives in the capital city of Ironforge. They're a more minor clan. The three major clans are the Bronzebeard Dwarves, who are run Ironforge, the uh, Wildhammers, who live out in some other areas. They're kind of like the very Scottish Shaman Dwarves, who ride around on griffins and have, like, throw lightning with their hammers and stuff. And so you might remember some of those types of thematic cards from the Descent of Dragons set. So that those were some wild hammer dwarfs there. Then of course there's the Dark Iron Dwarfs who end up living in Black Rock Mountain. But so those are like the three major clans. But the Stormpipes are a more minor clan who coexist in areas like like Iron Forge. And here one key thing about uh, dwarven culture is that 
they are really into archaeology. Uh, they're the race that founded the League of Explorers, which is based in Ironforge. So oh, that's cool. where those, yeah, those came in. It eventually grew to expand to other races, of course, but it's primarily uh, dwarves who make up the leadership and are the big enthusiasts of it because uh, they are actually descended from stone beings called Earthen that were created by the Titans, but they lost their heritage. And so when they started to rediscover it and learn that there might be a connection between the origin of their race and the Titans, they wanted to learn more. And so they are just obsessed not only with the typical dwarves, you know, mining and everything, because of course they mine, they craft typical fantasy dwarven activities, but they also want to find lots of relics that might help them to understand where they came from. And it just so happens that Alterac Valley is a place where they think some of those relics might be. It's also a very resource-rich area, lots of iron, maybe some other good metals there, maybe some stone that they can use, but especially the relics. And so King Magni Bronzebeard sends out the Stormpike clan with an imperial decree to go and claim that area for as an extension for the dwarven clans, just like Ironforge is. You can see from looking at Ironforge that this is an area that, this is a climate the dwarves are very accustomed to living into as well. They, they like the, the snowy mountain areas quite a bit themselves. And so that is the main reason that the Stormpike are there. They're there to try to have some archaeological aspects, to recover resources, and to expand into territory that they think is just a natural rightful extension of the area that they already call home. There's not that much more information that we have. Obviously, Vandar is the leader of the Stormpikes. He is like in like the clan chieftain there and the leader of the uh, militia aspect that they have here. The main other fact that we know about the Stormpikes is that they have a particular bond, much like the uh, Frostwolves have a bond with wolves. The Stormpikes, particularly, like all dwarves have the racial mounts is the ram, but the Stormpikes have a particular bond with theirs. In fact, one of the few little extra lore bits that we know is that they carve their uh, identification into the horn of all the rams that they raise. And these rams are like very sturdy beasts, like the very hardy. They make great mounts for mountainous and snowy terrain. And of course, if you're riding on them, it's really great where you can headbutt your enemies. Like if you remember Balf Ram Shield from the <laughs> Grand Tournament. He's he's a Hearthstone original character, but he represents quite a bit of that, you know, a dwarf charging in on a ram as their racial mount there. And cool. yeah, that's... That's one of the main things. Dwarves are also a bit more of an engineering type of race. Uh, not quite to the extent as gnomes. Gnomes are the really crazy, I can just invent sci-fi gadgets out of thin air <laughs> with a can opener and uh, a tinfoil hat. And uh, presto, I have invented helicopters. But like literally, like gnomes invented airplanes and helicopters and a bunch of stuff. Yes. <laughs> but like unlike gnomes, the, the dwarves are like not to that extent, but they do have a particular affinity with firearms compared to most of the other races. You know, it's like they're, you know, boomsticks and blasting powder and all that type of uh, 
stuff that you use to put a fantasy spin on guns. And uh, so that's why, you know, they have, like, the, the Stormpike cards are often have, they, they have, you know, like, I've got a huge gun, uh, because that's kind of one of their specialties as a race and uh, as a detachment in this particular area. So, uh, again, not as much uh, to cover with the Frostwolves, but uh, that's essentially what we know about the Stormpikes. And believe me, the articles that I write about these are very unevenly balanced. <laughs> One of them is super long. The other is like, I I I'm coming up with stuff to write here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, I know that the dwarves were going into Alterac Valley to kind of look for the resources and the, you know, the things that belong in museums. But how close to Ironforge is Alterac Valley kind of where they exploring that way? Is it close or was it kind of a bit of a trek? Um, you know? I have to take a quick uh, look at the map in order to refresh myself on that. Let's see. Oh my gosh. I actually I'm not stumped him, but like he, he had to look at something. I'm, I'm so proud. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. Go map. Goliath is like, it, uh, he's a library of information on WoW. <laughs> they always have everything, but you can't know. You can't know it all. That's I'll, I'll admit, know it was a good question, points, right? The finer points of some of the geography is a bit more of one of my weak spots. I will be perfectly honest on that point. Not that I don't know it at all. I know a lot of the general stuff, but I don't have all... I know the stories very well. Yeah. The maps memorized are not, not quite so much. For sure. There you go. Check the group chat. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's a map of Alterac Valley itself right there, yeah. So that gives you a sense of, so you see, we got the Alliance stuff at the top, we got the Horde base at the bottom, and that's going to come into uh, play a bit more when we're talking about the way that the battleground itself works. But in terms of how close this would be to Ironforge itself, let's see, I've almost got something pulled up here. It's, it's relatively close. I wouldn't say that they're like next door neighbors, but it, it makes sense that the uh, dwarves would want to naturally expand into that area, honestly. Yeah, so there's there, there's a bit of uh, distance here. I have I found a map putting that in group chat right now. That'll give a sense uh, if you want to put that up for everybody to see. So you can see that we have Ironforge listed out in a bit more of a slightly southern region, just a bit north of Stormwind. It's this purple area. But we have like a bit of crossing uh, a, a bay in order to get over to the Alterac area. It's like I said, it's not, not next door neighbors. But pretty reasonable sense that, hey, this area is very much like our home, and uh, there's relics here, and yeah, as far as they know when they get there, they don't think anyone lives there. They don't know about the Frostwolves. The Frostwolves have been hiding from everybody. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, they're like, yeah, sure, they, uh, why not go over here? And then we get to the conflict, mm -hmm. because both of them think that the land is rightfully theirs for various reasons. In my opinion, both of those claims are questionable at best because Frostwolves literally just kind of settled down there looking for a place to hide. It's not like, this has been my family home for a thousand generations. Something like, no, they, they, they just, you know, they, they moved there 
after participating in an invasion of the planet, I might add. Um, so, Not even your planet. <laughs> so I would say that that throws their claim a bit into question. And for the Stormpikes, just like they're there in order to expand some territory that's not even next door and just claim some resources. So really, I'd say that both of them have about equal rights because... Neither of them have very much of a strong claim, in my personal opinion. Uh, just looking at their logic for that. However, that doesn't stop them from constantly duking it out over many, many years. Like, like canonically, like the the battle for Alterac is constantly going on as a proxy war between the Alliance and the Horde in some fashion, which is kind of an explanation for why you can always queue into battlegrounds, no matter what expansion it is in World of Warcraft. Brand Bronzebeer theorized that the part of the initial disputes might have been a misunderstanding religiously that uh, because the orcs of uh, their shamanistic culture very strongly venerates the spirits of their departed ancestors so any uh, graveyards they would have that the stormpikes accidentally desecrated without knowing it that uh, infuriates the frostwells like how dare you uh, disturb the resting place of our dead spirits and we will destroy you for that and the stormpikes are like we're here for, to learn about our ancestors what are you talking about? And just constant misunderstandings, everyone refusing to yield, and all of them bringing in allies from the Alliance and the Horde in order to hold the ground in a battle that never really gains ground. It pushes, it pulls, but really it's, it's a never-ending battle with no canonical winner. And that's that's the backstory to what's going on here. We got the Frost Wolves who are there because Orc Moses led them there. We have the Stormpikes <laughs> who are there because they want to learn about their connection with the Titans and get some resources and maybe expand their home a bit. And they, they, these guys just can't get along. And right. like only, only one of us can live here. We are not being a neighbors. We are not being flatmates. So. Someone has to leave. Someone has to die. And we're bringing in all our friends. There you go. We'll get into the specifics of who those friends are and how the fight works out in part two. Absolutely. But one thing I think we did want to touch on, right, is how this interacts with our new characters, our mercenaries, right? Right. So, as though the astute uh, observative... Observe. That's not a word. Observer. (laughs) Yes. The astute observer might have noticed is that Rukara... Our orc warrior mercenary representative is from the Frostwolf land. They really mm. emphasize it. Every time you play her in mercenary, she's Frostwolves! And like, <laughs> it's her battle cry. And it's like literally her first lines when you play the book at Mary, she's like, I am from the Frostwolf clan. We are proud orcs. Or she follows a Frostwolf in their just not at all clunky writing that they do for these solo adventures. Um, not, subtle, not subtle at all. Right. And so she's a representative from that clan and obviously takes a lot of pride in her clan as those are her people. And then on the other side, we have Tavish Stormpike, who, you know, is a member of the Stormpike clan. And now the Stormpikes are, one thing I forgot to mention, they are a relatively almost aristocratic, kind of a wealthy, well-off clan. As Tavish mentions that that's only one side of the family. He's out being a mercenary because, like, you know, he has to make his own loot. He's not from the side of the family that has money. So these are Hearthstone original characters, 
But now you can see this is where they're coming from. This is how they are going to be bringing the year-long uh, year of the Griffin story into Alterac Valley. Obviously, we had the thing in the, the Book of Mercenary Stories where, oh, like, it's about the chasing the Naru Shards, and one of them is in Alterac Valley, so they're all going there. But I'm pretty sure the story is definitely going to lean into how Brokara and her uh, Horde allies are going to want to fight to support her people, Talvish and his alliance allies are going to want to fight to support his people, and that's what's going to bring us into where each of them are joining in this battleground, this faction war right here. And I just really like how they managed to tie all that in together. It's, it's one of the more clever things they've done with the story, in my opinion, just seeding that in right from the start. Absolutely. I love hearing the story, and it's so neat to... Uh here the the warcraft lore kind of adapted to the kind of you know new newly created hearthstone original characters but how they still tie in together and it just amazes me that you can play the game and totally miss out on all of the story behind it and you're just like cool i got these cool characters you know whatever they do these neat things and but there's this so much depth there i absolutely yeah. love it so yeah thank you in for the sharing the story with us it's so great my pleasure that, that that's what i absolutely love about hearthstone it's why i get all excited when it's reveal season one of my favorite times you know i get three times a year and uh well okay maybe technically six now that we have mini sets but not not it's not the same and like oh you know what's when i see this character got made to a card i'm like yes because especially when they make it so that the cards effects reflect what they do in the story which i'll say trekthar and vandars don't really those are just card mechanics right there there's nothing particular about vandar who if he is the smallest person around he makes everybody uh more powerful or trekthar if he's the biggest around he will pull people out it's like that, that that's not that's not a story thing that's a mechanic thing but uh, some some cards do that and i get really excited when they manage to match with the story and it makes a lot more sense once you know the story to understand why the heck did they give the card this effect. Yeah, absolutely. Well, hey, I think that this is a good potential segue to kind of pause on the show to play this parody song that you brought for us this week. And mm -hmm. I'm excited. I'll actually be hearing it for the first time. I was swamped all week and I haven't had a chance to listen to listen to it yet mm -hmm. and so we're going to i plan on doing that at some point once i can figure out what a good topic is to parody with never going to give you up <laughs> you have been warned i will do that someday but uh, you don't know when uh, so this remember everyone was talking about the dust refunds a little while ago at the start of the show that happens to be our little topic right here if anyone is a fan of the band kansas i think that you'll recognize and like this one <laughs> all right i'm gonna go ahead and play it then I close my eyes Press the button just like that The card is gone The card's no good 
Use the arcane dust to craft a better sing the always arcane dusting the sick the cards you sure you'll never play and never need all your cards disenchanted for a new deck to succeed Dusting the callways, arcane dusting Crafted by the whales and dusted by you Dusting the callways, arcane dusting The car everyone is dusting the car That was amazing. That was amazing. <laughs> that was I love it. <laughs> That's so oh, great. I liked it. That yeah, that was amazing. That I I I'm so impressed. That was great. I laughed at the best. <laughs> like you, you're so funny, and at the same time, you were like on pitch too. Like you actually, it's like, so good. It sounds, it sounds great, and it was hilarious all at the same time. I had a smile on my face throughout the entire thing. <laughs> so good. I'll give credit oh, to boy. Sheep for the idea of talking of using the word whale in there. <laughs> I, I wouldn't have done it out of risk of maybe uh, of being offensive at all, but you're the one who brought it up, so I thought, what the heck, I'll throw it in here. I love I, it. I'm glad I could inspire that part, but oh my gosh, complete kudos to your way. Cause Thank you. I, I may have inspired that bit, but you, you wrote it and put it in the correct meter and pitch and oh my gosh that's incredible thank you playing with the words is really fun for me because yes trying to figure out okay what's what's a word that i that's close enough to the originals but is related to the topic and it, it's it's a really fun challenge i enjoy oh it's so much that's fun the, that's the part i kind of miss about doing the parody songs is like sometimes you feel so proud of yourself when <laughs> right. you when you make it work We'll get... yeah, I don't have the monopoly on them. Feel free to write more whenever you want. Inspiration will hit soon, I'm sure. It was just so hard doing it every single week. Yeah, oh, I'm sure. Hey, well, I think this is a, a good time. I'm really curious. Before uh, we move on to the next segment of the show, Goliath had mentioned that he had a kind of a prediction to make about the upcoming mini set, which, which of course is quite a ways away. And so I think it's even more fun to make the prediction now since we're so early. And I want to hand uh, the mic over to Goliath to, to go ahead and make this prediction here. Right. So I'm going to see if I can give a bit of a prophecy right here, because this is going to require just a bit of explanation in order to understand my logic. So... What this year-long story with the mercenaries has been doing, and, and Blizzard has said this themselves, is that it's uh, very much kind of capturing that initial Warcraft player experience. You have these mercenaries that are representing all of the different player classes, plus Demon Hunter, which didn't exist back then. But aside from that, so like all these different things that you could be, and it's been following their progress very realistically from that perspective in two different ways. One is the art. 
If you may have noticed, when you look at the different uh, versions of the characters and some of the other uh, characters as well, like the adventurers from Wailing Caverns and uh, maybe a couple other cards in the various different sets, their armor changes and it reflects the exact armor sets that players could get at various stages of the game as they level up. So it's very clearly like a tracking their progress. This includes the armor that the mercenaries are wearing in their new hero cards, which is tier sets that you would get kind of around that same level that you would be getting into uh, Alterac. Which leads to the second thing which they've been doing is they've been amping up the type of content uh, through the set themes that you would progress through. So you start out in the Barrens. The Barrens is literally a starting spawning zone, one of the first zones that if you're Horde that you would play through, until then you would get to a capital city. Switching factions, that capital city is now Stormwind, just a place for you to gear up, serves as a hub, a place for you to return to before you go out into the more advanced zones for your leveling and your questing. Once you get sufficiently leveled up and are a bit more an endgame type of stuff, then you might you're going to get into being eligible for the large-scale PvP like Alterac Valley. And so it's been following the progression of a player in that sense and also in the art sense. I think emerging those two together, there is only one logical place where I think this is going. From a story perspective with the mercenaries, we have been seeing how Everything is being manipulated by two dragons. One of them, Kazakus, Hearthstone original character, all the way back from Gadget San, disguised as a troll, who is manipulating things on the Horde side. The other is the very canonical, in the lore, a black dragon who has infiltrated and manipulating the Alliance under the guise of the noblewoman Lady Prestor. And within the Hearthstone story, they are working together in their diabolical scheme in order to accumulate the power here. And we still have to bring this year-long story to a conclusion where it only makes sense where we would face off against the puppet masters behind this whole thing. Now, one, not the first raid in World of Warcraft, the very first one was Molten Quarry fighting against Ragnaros, but one, one of the earlier ones was called Onyxia's Lair, where you fight and kill Onyxia. And so if we follow it from this story perspective of how they're matching it with the mercenaries and that this has to have some sort of big grand gear story finale in order to tie everything together, and we are following the progression of a player where first you have a starting zone, you have a capital skitty, you have endgame PvP, one of the biggest things that you could say as a finale towards what you can do unlocking new content is a raid. And so I think that Onyxia's Lair is going to be the general theme. They, they might tweak things a bit in order to throw Kazakus in or whatnot, but I think that that is going to be the general theme of the mini-set. It's not going to be additional, you know, plus more stuff in Alterac Valley, like Darkmoon Races was extension of Darkmoon Thayer, Wailing Caverns was extension of the Barrens and all that. I think it's going to be something completely different in order to serve as a final capsule to finish off the story.
Now, it's possible I could be wrong, and they could decide to just have everything come to a head with the Nixie and Kazakus in Alterac Valley, uh, kind of the way that they did for the Rise of Galakron, the first mini set that was in the same thing as uh, Descent of Dragons. But for me, if I were the one who was writing and designing this, it just makes the most logical sense following the two progression styles that my prediction, this could be the first one I get wrong because it's the most bold, <laughs> but uh, my prediction right now is that Onyxia's Lair will be the mini set that uh, finishes off the Year of the Griffin and the Year-Long Mercenary story before they decide they've announced that they're going to go uh, back to the single standalone expansions for a little while before they do another year-long story. I like they it. To give this one a high cap. Hey, they've been hinting at it pretty hard with the artwork and even the mercenaries game mode. Uh, a lot of the solo content or the PVE content is pretty light story-wise, but it's been, you know, Kazakas and Prestor and even in the promo mm -hmm. artwork, like they're working together. And like you see on the screen here, you've got like the mercenaries against Prestor and Kazaka, so it makes a lot of sense to me. So I think you're onto something. I like it. I like it. Yeah, yeah. if you remember the the announcement uh, song trailer for Mercenaries, you got like, oh, we plotted and planned. Well, what else do we have to do? We need some mercs to do our dirty work, and it launches into the trailer. But like, so that it, they've been peppering this throughout all, all the promotional material this year. It's, it has to come to a head at some point. Bold prediction. Excellent. I love it. I I have a, I've got a question. Which raid were they on with the whole Leroy Jenkins thing and all the whelps came out? That was that was a Blackrock Mountain raid, if I remember correctly. I think Blackrock okay. Spire, I believe, is the one oh, that has all that's the, the dragon themed one with all the whelps. No, I'm sorry. Yeah, okay. uh, not, not Anixia's Lair. Anixia's Lair is a bit more of a, I think it's a single boss dungeon. I'd have to recheck on that. I think okay. it's basically just fighting Anixia. But just she, curious, she's quite the boss herself. Onyxia summons whelps, so I was just I was just curious. Right, right, yeah. yeah. No, that, that, um, that, not an illogical guess, no. So per, per the internet, Leroy Jenkins, where, where that went down, was Upper Blackrock Spire's Rookery. So Blackrock right. Spire. Yeah. yeah, that's the specific zone of that ring. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, excellent. Well, bold prediction. I guess we'll see. Uh, time will tell if you're right. And uh, if you are, we'll we'll have to come up with some sort of prize. I love it. I think this is great. And <laughs> I think you've got a good chance at it. I think you've you've been right multiple times before. So mm -hmm. you've got a lot of yes. credibility with us. <laughs> well, yeah. one of the reasons I do grow my hair like I do is I want to look like you know, like a, an old prophet when I get old or something. So I'm I'm, I'm training in a few different ways through <laughs> <new> prophet. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, I especially like how this one is like a little bit, you know, the, the other ones were right next to it, right? Like intuitive. This one's more that kind of bold. It makes complete logical sense. I have no I, data I to back this up or anything, you know? It's... Yeah. So I'm excited to, to see where that goes. And I hope you're right so that we get to, to pony up a prize. Absolutely. <laughs> That would be like our, if we got a new card, that would be our, like our fourth Onyxia card, because we have the, the original Onyxia card, the, uh, core set dragon one, and we have her as Lady Prestor now. So if we got a new one, that would be Onyxia number four. I think that would catch her up with Deathwing cards, yep. actually. Yeah, she and Deathwing. Father like daughter. Hey, hey. <laughs> I'd be okay with it. I like Onyxia. Good deal. Well... I can't wait to see whether you're right or wrong, but before 
we kind of wrap up the show tonight in general. I think we get to look into, speaking of challenges, last week's weekly listener challenge. Yes. So last week's challenge was Frozen in Ultra. So the challenge was to generate as many legendary minions as possible using Murabi. So you didn't have to play them. You know, they could still be in your hand. But we wanted to see um, how many were generated by Murabi. And our winner this week was Shmoopy Daddy. Yeah, so Shmoopy Daddy. Yay. Woo. Look at that so hand. Shmoopy. Wow. <laughs> Got, let's see, what what all you got? Cookie, Zentimo, Grumble, all from Murabi. So, Shmoopy, congratulations. You win, of course, the ever-coveted bragging rights, which includes being featured on the Hall of Fame on the website, borntobewildhs.com, and two packs on us. Congratulations, Shmoopy Daddy. <laughs> Hooray! I'm thinking about when you win the match. Hooray! Exactly. <laughs> Whenever I do that, that's exactly what I'm referencing. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> so that was last week's challenge, which Shmoopy Daddy valorously conquered. What is this week's challenge, Goliath? So, um, seeing as we are, you know, in our first week of the Alterac expansion, which is very faction conflict themed, we're going to have a little bit of a deck building challenge with that specific thing in mind. We've had a few challenges along this style in the past, like if I recall correctly, there was a previous one about making a warrior deck that had just undead themed minions in it. We're going to do something a bit similar here where your challenge, and mine as well I guess, is to make a deck that is themed with only minions who belong to the same faction. So this can be Alliance or Horde, and we are just going to go with the more common races here and the ones who are members of these factions at the time that this has taken place, so we don't have to get into, like, okay, technically, like, this race was added on, like, 10 billion expansions into the game or whatnot. We're, we're going to talk about the core stuff here. So these are essentially the races that the different mercenaries are. So for Horde, this will be Orcs, Trolls, Toron, Blood Elves, Goblins. There's not a Goblin Mercenary, but they are a part of this. And uh, let's see. I know I'm forgetting something. I'm blanking. Let's see, let's, let's run through through all the mercenaries. We have Rakara, who's the Orc. We have Guff, who's the Tauren. We have Dongrasp, who is the Blood Elf. We have, why am I? I can't remember the troll's name. Brukan, is Brukhan. it? Brukan, yeah. that's how you pronounce it, yeah. He's the troll and the shaman right there. And, oh, of course, Undead Forsaken, Tamsin. That's, there we go. Uh, that, that's what I was briefly forgetting right there. Yes, so you can, so for Horde, you, if you're making a horde deck, they can only be cards who are depicting orcs, tauron, trolls, undead, goblins, or blood elves. That gives you six different things there. Uh, so if it's alliance, then it can only be cards that are depicting humans, dwarves, gnomes, worgen, dreni, and night elves. And uh, so th those are the, the core races there. And so the thing is, we're, we're also going to include 
spell art here. So not just the minions, but also spells with the images. That's uh, that's a requirement too, so that, that those aren't excluded. And the really tricky thing is here is you need to make a deck that is actually viable. You need to post a screenshot. So give us your deck list and post one of you actually winning a game with this deck. And I would say that one of the uh, qualifiers here is, I'd say that'll give you an edge the more members of a single race you can manage to squeeze in there. Like, it's perfectly valid to do a bit of all of them, but you'll get, have a better chance of winning if you can get even more uh, card counts that is art depicting on spells and minions from one single race. And then we'll make a decision from there based just off of how cool it is with the results of all that, I suppose. Excellent. Cool. Good deal. And of course, as always, the challenge can be done in, on ladder or in casual. Uh, if you don't want to tank your rank, I wouldn't blame you. But it cannot be done against a friend, the innkeeper, or other PvE content. Your friend will let you in. The innkeeper won't try to, but he'll let you in too. And so will the other PvE content. So take a screenshot. And of course, you put your deck list into in our discord in the weekly challenge section so we will share the winner on to next week's show just like we did with schmoopy daddy tonight but the winner just like schmoopy gets two packs on us and of course bragging rights on our website born to be wild hs.com slash hall of fame Excellent. I am looking forward to whatever kind of crazy things y'all can come up with. It's always fun to get people participating in these. And so uh, very much looking forward to it. And that about wraps up our show for tonight. Thank you all for being here and participating, hanging out with us. It is always a blast. For more wild content or to see where you can find us individually, visit us online at www.borntobewildhs.com. You want to tune in next week. Our topic of the week, we will be discussing new wild decks from the first two weeks of Fractured and Alterac. And that being said, we'll see you next week on another new episode of Born to be Wild. Yay! Yay.